I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. Welcome back to the First Cup Podcast. My name is Kyle Porter. I've got Mark Illuman on the line. Mark, we talked uh, last night with Greg Ducharme about uh, just kind of the, the 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 very top of the leaderboard of the WGC Mexico Championship. We're going to get into uh, some guys that were maybe a little further down the leaderboard. We can call this our our Jordan Speed our weekly Jordan Speed podcast. <laughs> Um, we are going to talk, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about, uh, Josh Teeter, uh, who finished second at the Puerto Rico Open. Uh, I, I tweeted out kind of a, an emotional interview that he had, uh, which was excellent. And, and I want to get to it. And then we're going to talk, uh, really briefly at the end uh, about the Honda Classic. Brooks Kapka, Tommy Fleetwood, Ricky Fowler, uh, really good, uh, top of the field there. And then tomorrow, Greg, and uh, Rick Gaiman will be back to uh, to preview the Honda Classic in terms of DFS stuff. But before we get to any of that, Mark, we need to I note got... it's the start of the Florida swing, and this is when the real one and done players show up. Just <laughs> <a second. laughs> this is still... this is when the PGA Tour starts. <laughs> You're still on that. Before we get to anything, before we get to Mexico, any of it, I've got some trivia questions for you. Uh, Jacob, our, our, our producer and I, uh, planned out, I actually added to his list. He sent me a list of trivia questions just to, we want to highlight your, uh, your intelligence, uh, within the game of golf and, uh, and just work out badly for me. (laughs) Well, we just want to, we want to see where you're at, see where you're at with everything. So are are you ready for this? Are you ready to hear my trivia questions? Am I allowed to plead the fifth like the folks in politics or not really? Yeah, that's, that's fine. People, people that are listening can play along. Uh, you're listening on your iPhone or your, your Android device, whatever. Uh, you can, you can, if you're at your computer, you can look stuff up while Mark's thinking about it. But, uh, off the top, first one, uh, <laughs> this wasn't stuff? in the rundown. Just, just saying, no. Oh, I for know. The, for the first time in like the history of forever, I got a rundown and I don't see this trivia in a rundown, but so let's go ahead. I get a different rundown than you do. Um, Fair enough. You're the boss. Which, so in honor of, we're going to talk about Eric Van Ruin in a second. Which, in honor of him, which South African had the worst finish last week at the WGC Mexico Championship? Um, Brandon Grace. It was actually Louis, Louis Oosthuizen at plus oh, really? two. He finished T51. 
Okay. Uh, Gracie was Gracie was down there too. I know Justin Harding was playing okay. I know Xander Lombard was going all right. Uh, okay, so was Leary. All right. There was a, so there was a lot of South, there, there was a lot of South Africans in the field. There was uh, seven. seven. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's quite a few, and none of them are, are I think you know you traditional like Ernie Els type names. I mean they they weren't they're not. I mean Louis is a big name, but other than that, it's kind of like I don't know. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, okay. Second trivia question. Who led the field at Mexico? Uh, you watched this entire thing. Who led the field in strokes gained from Tita Green? Strokes gained from Tita Green. My favorite stat. I know this. That's why I should know that. I know it wasn't Bryson. I know it wasn't Reed. Um, it definitely wasn't Reed. No, it wasn't Reed. I'm going to take a complete flyer here and go Tyrrell Hatton. Wow. Is that bad? Are you- did you get the the rundown that I got also? Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> That's it. That's right. Is this an open book exam? That was a complete guess. All right. That's incredible. It's- Even more incredibly, Terrell Hatton actually leads the PGA Tour and strokes gained Tita Green right now because I think this was his only measured uh, tournament. So he's just ahead of Rory in terms of strokes gained Tita Green. I got to tell you. Uh, which- the guy is a flusher. He is it's so flush, and, and he's so much fun to watch because you're going to know exactly what's going on inside of his head as soon as the golf ball's left the club face. Uh, but but he can hit it, and he really can hit the thing flush. Uh, okay, we got. Uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna skip this one. We're gonna go. We're gonna go speed next. So Jordan speed driving accuracy. This is always a fun topic. <laughs> was what, he over? Yeah. Was he over or under 33 percent? So one out of every three fairways hit uh, for the week. Uh, when those fairways over there, goodness, they're difficult to hit with the, with the angles and stuff. I'm going to say, oh, goodness. I'm saying under. He was just over at 34%, 33.9%. Okay. It's not, Gee, it's not good. It's not good. Well, you know, okay. I, well, 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 around there, I would say if you're sort of hitting seven, eight fairways, uh, you, you can sort of gear down and go with irons and stuff, then you'd hit some more. But if you're taking on some tee shots, uh, you can drive it through fairways with a good tee shot pretty quickly. So uh, I, I would say if you're hitting it in half the fairways, I, I think you're doing pretty well if you're going with driver. Okay, last one. We're going to talk about uh, – I've got a Josh Teeter one, but we're going to save that for the end. My last one, I, I, I inserted this one myself. This is courtesy of Justin Ray, 15th Club. So Patrick uh-huh. Reed – uh, got his eighth career PGA Tour victory. Only five guys have more wins since the 2013 season started. So 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, whatever, seven years, eight years. Only five okay. guys have more wins than Reed in that time. Can you name those five guys? Rory McIlroy? Yes. Just, Justin Thomas? Yes. Dustin Johnson? Yes. Since 2013, you say? 2013, yeah. Jordan Spieth? Yes. One more. Okay, that's that's four out of five. Um, I don't know. You're gonna have to give me a, give me some help here. Uh, he was so, he, he plays in pre- he plays in Presidents Cups. Jason Day. Exactly. Very good. Yes, thank you very much. Well, okay, that's give impressive. me two. I got two out of four. That's fifty percent. That's yeah, you did, you, in some countries. <laughs> that's like that's way better than than speed driving accuracy. Uh, you did great. That was impressive. We'll get back to. I've got a Josh Teeter one for the end, but we'll get back to that uh, after we talk. Well, I, I want to talk. 
you know, we, we talk so much about guys that finish at the top of these events and we've got 45 minutes on Sunday. We're trying to just kind of get through the very top of the leaderboard. So much has happened. So I want to, I want to kind of hone in on some guys that uh, we didn't get to on Sunday for whatever reason. You know, we're talking Rory. We're talking Bryson. We're talking Reed. I want to talk about your boy, Ari Van Ruin finished mm-hmm. T3. Uh, one of his, one of the hand, only a handful of starts that he's had on the PGA tour. Uh, here in special temporary membership after, uh, after that top five finish, finished T3 along with, uh, John Rahm and I think somebody else. But, um, just what were your thoughts on him and, and the way that he played in, in Mexico last week? Well, the way he played in Mexico is the way he's able to play. If you haven't seen it yet, folks, um, not while you're driving, please, listening to this podcast, but when you get to your desk or to the house or whatever or on your phone, go and Google Eric Van Royen and it's Roy, like you say, R-O-Y, Roy Yin. Um, it, it, that's actually Dutch for from red. So uh, it, it's a Dutch last name. Anyway, so he, he swings wow. it beautifully. History lessons. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, it's a flush. He's a strong guy. He's played some college golf over here in Minnesota. So he gets, you know, how to play the game over here. He grew up in a town called Belleville, which is just, just sort of north of Cape Town. Um, I would say about 25 minutes away from where I Grew up, uh, Justin Harding came from the same town as me and obviously my bro- my younger brother. So the, the area over there has spat out some good golfers of late. And, and, and I want to say to you, I really wasn't that surprised that he played well. He, he's got a, he, he's a finisher. You know, he's, he hasn't been on the tour for very long. He turned pro back in, um, goodness, I want to say 2013 or 14. I'm not entirely sure of that, but since then he's, he's come around and, and, and to me, I always liked the guy. Look, we always laud the Victor Hovland or the Murakawa or the Justin Leonard or the Tiger Woods. These guys that just burst out onto the game from college or straight out of the, the, the amateur careers. But for me, if you have kind of come up hard scrabble and you've played through each level and you've, you've sort of earned your straps, if you will, I think it's a fantastic apprenticeship. And, and he turned pro, played on the Sunshine Tour in South Africa. He won an event over there, the PGA Championship. Then he went to the Challenge Tour. He had a, his second win over there at the Hainan Open. From there, he gets a fourth place in the Kazakhstan Open. So listen to these places. I mean, it, it's these are places that most young golfers from college in the United States would never go and see. He finishes third in their season-ending grand final, and, and he earns enough to get onto the European Tour. Uh, then he finishes runner-up in the Joburg Open and finishes behind Shubanka Sharma. You'll know the name of the young man from uh, India. Uh, and then... He qualifies for the Open. He was leading the Irish Open for a little while, but then backed up. And so each step he took, it's like he's gotten better. And 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 coming into this event, he said to me on the range, he goes, I hadn't really played that well just yet, but I'm doing the right things. You know, I feel like the practice is there. Um, I'm I'm uh, I'm focused. The body's in good shape, and 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 he's single-minded. So when he got into contention, you know, someone called me up for an interview, and I was like, "This guy's not going to go away. He he's just got that about him." Because you know, when you're playing in the Kazakhstan Open, for goodness sakes, when you're <laughs> playing for a last place of seventy-five thousand dollars at a World Golf Championships event, this is open season for someone with that sort of a mindset. So with that game, he's got he's got a wonderful short game to couple with the. Uh, with the golf swing, I, I just think all this experience that he's had around the globe, like many other young South Africans and many other con- young continentals, I think that's standing him in good stead. What he has over some of the other uh, continentals and South Africans is four years in college over here. So he's, he's got the yeah. American element to the game as well. Yeah, I, I think 
one thing you said in there about uh, about continuously improving at every step. If you look at his uh, end of year ranking in the world golf ranking, so he comes out in 2013, he's like 1500. Every year after that, except for one, he's been better than he was the year before. So it, it, in almost in almost every single year. So right now he's uh, what is he 40th in the world. At the end of last year, he was 49th. At the end of the year before, he was 141st. At the end of the year before, he was 141st also. At the end of the year before, he was 636. So every single year, he's building on what he did the year before. And I think, you know, you think like, oh, he's 30. Like, he's a journey. Well, he's not a journeyman. Like, he, he's, he's only played 150 events worldwide as a pro. And he's, I, I think it's just, it's a normal trajectory. Like, Matt Kuchar's yeah. talked about this, and I've referenced it a ton. It takes 10 years to figure things out. Like to figure out what the hell you're doing as a professional. And, uh, he is entering into that. And I think we compare everything to JT and to Spieth and to Rory. And it's like, that's, that is the, those are outliers. Like that is not normal. And so I, I'm really interested. I, I'm curious to, to see out of the guy, out of the guys that were in this field, who you think of the South Africans is going to have the best rest of 2020. Well, that's a good question. Before I go there, I just want to put a bow on Eric. Um, get this as an amateur because uh, this is a question me as a college golf coach and as a recovering golf instructor, I have to feel this <laughs> off the aspirant professional. They're like, well, what do I need to do to be able to be a good professional golfer? And, and, and there's so many roads you can go down, go down. This is Eric van Rooyen. He's, we won two events as an amateur. He won the Southern Cape Open in 2011 and then won the Minnesota State Amateur. Right, but then turns pro, and to your observation, just starts playing around the place. But check this out: his European tour win the Scandinavian Invitational. He knocks off Matthew Fitzpatrick. All right. Then late last year in the playoffs, they race to Dubai. He's in contention in a playoff there with get these names: Tyrrell Hatton, Benjamin Abair. They were both playing last week. Kurt Kitayama, Victor Perez was playing last week, as was Matthias Schwab. And so this is a guy that's held off some good players, and he doesn't back down for the moment. So now with his world ranking and the special temporary membership thing, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do when he comes up in these situations a little more often. Uh, to your question about the South Africans who end up the best at the end of the year, uh, is this world ranking or is this just the person who has the best year kind of thing? Just the best year. Who Who has the best year? Well, it depends. Well, it depends on how many events that Eric decides to take up on the PGA Tour. If this is our our, yeah. our, our benchmark, and if he does, you, you know, I think he'll turn a few heads. But I've still got to go with um, Louis Westesen. I think Brandon Grace, the putter, is just entirely too suspect. Justin Harding, Harding I spoke with him. He uh, he's playing over in Europe. Some he's going to play a Corn Ferry event in Savannah right before the Masters. He's got a lot of game, but again, playing over there in Europe. And then Charles Swatzel, he's coming off uh, injury, and he looked pretty good in his first couple starts. But I've got to tell you, man, a wrist injury, that is the tip of the spear for a golfer. And so recovering from that is always difficult. And as far as the other young South Africans, Dylan Fratelli springs to mind. But I'm, I'm still going to go with King Louis. Yeah, uh, it's a good pick. I, I think um... – I don't know. I, I, I've been impressed with Van, how do you say it? Royan? Royan. Yeah, Royan. Royan. Mm-hmm. I've been impressed with him. And he played, what, was it last year's Open that he played so well at or the year before? Uh, yeah, he played, I think it was the year before last year. He was in contention in the Irish Open for, I mean, he, he shows, he pops up on leaderboards all over the show and, and, and he stands out. He's a good looking guy. He's got that dark beard. He's got the blue eyes. 
Um, and then, of course, he wears those ankle-length uh, golf trousers, whatever you're going to call them, joggers. So, well, let's not act like you don't have like five pair of those. <laughs> you do. I've seen you in those things. You you like those skin-tight numbers. No, I'm 49. Uh, I'm being stuff go. We uh, somebody point. Oh, Will Gray pointed out that uh, him and Kevin Tway are like maybe twins. Like they might have been separated at birth. We might we might need a 30 for 30 on Kevin Tway and and Eric Van Royen <laughs> being separated from birth. The difference between the two of those is one says nothing. And then the other guy is a fan, like Eric Fun. It's fun, like F-U-N. Eric Eric Fun Royan is is he is articulate. He's well spoken. He's very insightful. He's a tremendous interview, and he might be worthwhile to get on this podcast. That'd be great. Yeah, I'll Maybe work. It. Weekly contributor. Uh, okay, let's talk about two guys that that we mentioned off the top: uh, Hideki and and Terrell Hatton. They were one and two. Uh, in the field last week in Mexico in terms of strokes gained tee to green. They were the two best ball strikers in the field. Uh, I'm curious just about your thoughts. Uh, and I and I think, you know, sometimes I hate it that we go straight to major championship stuff, but I, I'd really like to hear your thoughts on on those two in terms of, of major championships because, you know, Hideki's been around for a while. He, he's won a couple of WGCs. He's got a bunch of wins. He hasn't really, really contended at a major. Finished second at, uh, I think it was the Aaron Hills U.S. Open a couple of years ago. Uh, and then Hatton, I think, is is a really interesting candidate for European Ryder Cup. Uh, plays well at, I think he's finished top ten a couple times at the Open Championship. Just are, are those are those guys that as we head into players and and all the majors, are they are those guys? Uh, players that you consider like to be real contenders at these majors or where are you at with those two guys right now? Um, yeah, they're contenders for me. They, uh, Tyrrell sort of sits just a little bit on the fence, but we saw last week that if he gets conditions that he likes, he can shoot the, the grass off the place. Um, he's a tremendous ball striker. He, he's, he's got the mindset for it. He's almost kind of blue chip in a way and he likes the, he likes the fight of it all. And, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if he plays well at the players given how well he hits his iron clubs. The only thing with a player's championship for Tyrrell Hatton is it can madden you, just that golf course. I mean, it, it can get under your skin so fast. And if there is a, a chink in the armor, it's that he reacts, he gets a little reactive-ish. Um, but I would say Hatton, he, he'll show up at an open championship of that, I'm certain, just the way he plays. Um, Hideki, you would think that that he should be a contender, He's ironing out the issues with a putter as far as I saw last week. But but still, to win majors, as we talked about in the last podcast, or to win any event, your final nine holes, man, you've basically not got to miss. And and, and there, there is still a little Achilles heel there with the Deki Matsuyama and the iron play. The golf swing uh, looks gorgeous, man. I actually posted some pictures, some video of him on my Instagram account, and it was in practice before a second or third round from Mexico last week. And the pause at the top of the swing's kind of gone away, which I think is a good idea because it got him out of sequence too much. And, and man, he just, he just hit the middle of the bat so often. So he should, but if he wants to really contend, he's going to have to putt more consistently. He putt, he's streaky, but to win at the highest level over four days, you've got to make putts consistently the entire time. I mean, case in point, Tiger Woods. I kind of don't believe in Hideki. Is that an okay corner to be on in terms of majors? Like I, I think he's a good, obviously he's a great player, but I've kind of been on the corner of like Hideki's not going to win a major for a while. And, and I don't know, 
I don't know. Maybe that's maybe I'm an idiot. Maybe well, but, he'll win Augusta this year, but I can see where you're going, and knowing you and, and counting your friend, I, I know how you're. I sort of know how you're thinking here, and 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 that's why I'm sort of fifty-fifty on this. The other thing with Matsuyama that we have to consider. It's one of these sort of esoteric kind of deals where it's not a strokes gain measurement, but it's strokes lost how many media interviews he has to do after every round. Because <laughs> you've seen there, you've been in the yeah. media set. Yeah. That guy answers questions after every round, no matter whether he shoots 63 or whether he shoots 83. And, and being the face of Japanese golf, there's a contingent after him all of the time. And, and that's got to be taxing. So I can imagine, man, if that guy's got the 54 hole lead at Augusta National, it'll be mayhem with NHK and people. So yeah. that has got to take its toll as well. So, so I see where you're coming from, man. Uh, okay. Two other guys that, that played well last week that kind of flew under the radar. You know, we, we saw him at times. We saw a little bit, especially of, of Abraham Answer late, uh, when he made birdie on 17, which was really cool. But, uh, Abraham Answer finishes T12, Carlos Ortiz T16. Uh, those are going to be two guys. The, those two guys are really intriguing to me. And, you know, the, the Mexico storyline gets played up. They're probably going to be in the Olympics for Mexico. I don't think anybody else is, is really close to them. I'm all the way in on Abraham answer. Now, yeah. is he going to be like a top seven guy in the world? No, probably not, but he can, he can live in like the top 40 and win some events. Are you in on both of these guys right now? Um, Abraham, I'm really in on. I mean, he was uh, just an absolute lightning rod for the international team at the President's Cup last year, and, and he's up for the fight. I mean, he, he does not back down for everybody, for anybody, and he, he hits the ball reliably well. He's not very long, but he hits the same sort of shape. He's got wonderful feel around the greens. Um, PGA Tour Live did an incredible segment where they went back to uh, the Reynoso, Reynoso Golf Course in Mexico where he kind of learned the game. And it's a ramshackle. Imagine Tin Cup's driving range. It looked like that, okay? <laughs> and, and and he has him around the greens, and and he and his buddies used to have these games where you'd have to chip the ball off the side of the clubhouse onto the green. So he's got incredible imagination as a result, and – and then he's got this beautiful feel he carries onto um, the green, and, and he puts pretty well also. So uh, I think he'll win a, a couple times in his career. I, I know it's I know I hate to give this sort of stuff away because it's so hard to win, but I'm in on on, on Abraham Answer in a big way. Um, and if he doesn't make it as a golfer, goodness, he could be a male model. I mean, that guy's <laughs> he's beautiful. Well, he probably has some, he probably has some joggers. Uh, he does. <laughs> And then uh, Carlos Ortiz, he's uh, he's proven that he can win. Um, he, he was the Corn Ferry Tour Player of the Year. He, he remember when they still had the Battlefield promotion for three wins. Yeah, he uh, won three times and made it to the PGA Tour. Lost his card, went back to the Corn Ferry Tour, played his way back onto the PGA Tour, and and now he's putting together quietly. A very consistent season here in 2019-2020. He's had a runner-up at Mycoba. He's had three top tens. Um, played well last week in a tie for 16th after a first round of four over. So he showed some metal to come back in front of the home crowds there. So he's proven he can play. And this guy is pretty close with Lorena Ochoa. And she's a Hall of Fame ladies golfer and who's always free with advice. And, and I think having the counsel of someone like that – you know, the star of Mexican golf, if you will, 
I think is is a real weapon in his cache. Yeah, I, I agree. And th- those two are going to probably, uh, I mentioned this earlier, but I just looked up the world ranking. Abraham answers 27th, Carlos Ortiz 127th, and then nobody else is in, in the top 300. So it's kind of a lock, I would think, that they're, uh, representing Mexico in the Olympics, which is, which is really cool. Uh, another guy who might be at the Olympics, uh, Dustin Johnson. I, mm-hmm. okay, can I, I'm going to go first on DJ because, He's, 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 he's on top of my list right now with a one-and-done blow-up we had last week. <laughs> <laughs> so his finishes this year, he went T7 at Kapalua. He went second at Saudi Arabia and then T32 at Pebble, which was weird. T10 at Genesis. T48 at a place in Mexico where he's won twice. I I don't know, man. Like The last year hasn't been good. Since the PGA Championship, he's got... Uh, well, three top tens total since the PGA mm-hmm. last year, since he almost won the PGA. And I know he had the knee. I just, it, he's not, he's not playing very good golf. And I know he's got, you know, a couple of near wins at the beginning of the year. The Kapalua field's tiny. Saudi Arabia was not, you know, that's not like the best field in the world. He just, he hasn't shown me a ton this year. Are you are you with me in terms of like just kind of being a little bit out on DJ right now? I I am a little bit. Um, you know, I've got high respect for Claude Harmon as a golf instructor, obviously for his father Butch, and such since Butch has stopped teaching golf, really. I mean, he helps out. Uh, Daniel Kang a little bit because she lives in Vegas, I think. Um, I think that's had a real influence on how Dustin's played. I mean, I'm going to do the Carl Porter role now, and I'm looking through some strokes gain metrics from 2015 through 2020, okay? Strokes gained off the tee. He's gone second, second, first, first, fourth in 19. Then this year he's 28th. Strokes gained approach from 2015. 16th, 31st, 7th, 5th, 47th. He's 89th. Strokes gain around the green. He's been, he's languished. He's sort of been like 75th, 58th, 33rd, 38th. This year he's 157th yeah. strokes gain around the green. And then the putting, uh, 2015 he was 71st, 37th, 96th, 25th, 74th. He's 117th in putting. So he's down in every statistical category. And you can see he's struggling because the one thing Dustin Johnson doesn't like is for the golf ball to go left. And when I covered them the other day, a number of the tee shots were pulled to the left-hand side. And 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 at that speed, when you're unsure as to where the golf ball's going, it, it, the targets become very small and you become very doubtful. And and when a golfer has doubts, uh, that turns into tension. And tension, in my opinion, is the biggest record of a golf swing in the world. So um, it's it, I, I'm a little down on DJ right now, and we're in a time because now the the season of championships, as the tour call it, is rolling around, and you, you want to start running into some form this time of the year. And and so th- there's a big road and a long road that he has to hoe. Yeah, and and he hasn't really shown. There haven't been that many glimpses over the last ten months of him. You know, being a, a, at a Rory, JT, uh, John Rahm level. It just, we, we just haven't really seen it. And the good you know, news. I'm, I'm, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 after you. I, I was rude there to cut over you. Please go ahead. 
Well, I, I, I'm glad you brought up the strokes gain stuff because Tita Green is 59th overall this, this season, uh, which is really bad for him. I mean, he's normally top 10 at worst. And then the putting, you know, I, I think that one of the underrated storylines of the last three or four years is that DJ turned into a really good putter. You know, the wedge game got all the attention. He obviously hits it forever. He's, he's been really solid with his putter for the last three, four, five years. And now he's 117th, like you mentioned. So I just, I don't know, the data and what I'm seeing and his finishes, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't, um, portend for, for, I think, a, a really good next few months. Well, the good news for him, if there is a glimmer of hope on the horizon, is last week, he was sixth in strokes gained off the tee. And the iron play was spotty. There were two days where he was solid and two days where he wasn't. But there were 72 guys in the field. And he was 69th on the greens. Uh, and, 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 and here's the truth of it. The, the strokes gain guys, Mark Brody and our buds, you can tell me all day long that you, if you drive the ball well, if you put in strokes gain off the tee, you're going to be a tournament winner. And I'm going to counter with saying, I'm a firm believer in that the best putter of all the good ball strikers is the tournament winner. And if you are 69th in a field of 72, I don't care how you drive the thing, but you are not going to contend. Yeah. Uh, another guy who's not contending much of late, Jordan Spieth. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know what to say. I, you know, I, I think after Pebble, there was, there was a little bit of a flicker. You're like, Oh, okay. And then the last two weeks have just been really bad from T to green. He's 161st from T to green this season. Uh, he's 141st overall. His putting's been all right. He's, he's 90th, but it's not, I mean, you can't, you can't output what he's doing from tee to green. And the fact that he's kind of putting average means that his finishes, I mean, look, Mark, like he, he's about to, I was looking at this last night. He's about to have some, some big, uh, events come off of his, uh, mm-hmm. OWGR stuff. So, so, so he's got, let's see here, events that are still counting for him in terms of his world golf ranking. He was T14 at Mexico two years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. he was, T3 at the Houston Open two years ago, and then he was third at the Masters two years ago when he shot 64 on Sunday. Yeah. All of those are about to be wiped off, and and then you're looking at, like, is is he going to be in the top 100 in the world in a couple months? I mean, if it, if it keeps going the way that it's going, then he's not going to be, and I just, I I don't know. I don't know where, I don't know where we, we well, I know where we go. I don't know how it turns around for him. Well, here's the dilemma for Jordan, and I'll never forget a conversation with Stuart Appleby on the green down there in Isleworth where he used to live. And he was still playing very well then, and I was teaching my brother at the time, and they were talking about World Golf Championships events, which typically if you're inside about the top 64, you're getting into all of these, right? And and Appleby was like, if you're inside of these top 64 – the rankings proliferate themselves because it's basically a points and a money grab because there's no cut in any of these things. So if you play solid in a few, you're padding your rankings, which means that you keep seeing the same contenders all of the time. But once you get outside of that top 64, then it gets so hard to get in there because you don't play in these free points events if you are. And I, I use the term free points loosely because you still got to play well. But, but there's guaranteed points. So all of a sudden, somebody like Spieth, okay, Let's say he drops out of the world ranking, which is a sinister prospect right now, but very real given that uh, world rankings description you made. You lose those world rankings events, um, 
and all of a sudden your scheduling starts changing. Then he's going to have to start figuring out, well, where do I go and play? Because for the last year, the, the first, the last time he played on uh, courses like John Deere and such was in his rookie year. Now all of a sudden you've got to go and reacquaint yourself with these things. So there's this entire knock-on effect that's brought to bear by getting outside of the World Golf Champ, or getting outside the top 65 or so, and the World Golf Championships event. So it's it's not a great prospect. And the unfortunate thing, I believe, was Spieth because I commented the other day on Twitter that when he was, I was watching him on PGA Tour Live at Riviera, and there was interaction with Michael Greller where he went up the fifth fairway when playing the 17th. And there are very few folks in the world's game that would have seen that shot. But he just sees the game so wide. So he's, he's a real deep thinker and, he, and he's very golf savvy. His IQ is higher that way. So I can only imagine what's going on with Jordan Spieth when he's lying down in his bed at night and he's starting to calculate all the stuff in his head. And then what do I do with my golf swing? And, and where do we go now? And, and what about this? And what about that? It can't be a comfortable place to be, man. No, you're right. And I, I think two things on this. One, I think maybe maybe he's getting to the point where he's like, whatever, I don't even care, which for him, honestly, might be a good place to get to because he's I just he's got a, I don't think he's got a whatever bone in his body. We talked about this last night. He and Bryson and there's certain guys that are just got this intensity about him. I, I don't think he has that gear, man. Yeah. Well, and, and then the other thing is I was looking at this. Uh, I was looking up if so Rory's finished in the top five on the PGA Tour, six uh, events in a row, which I was looking to see if he had ever done that before. He has done it. Uh, he did it back in 2011 on, but it came on multiple tours. It was like some Asia stuff in there, some, some European tour stuff. That was right at the beginning of his career. Anyway, I was looking through each year for Rory and there were some, there were some weird years in there. I mean, he, he did the, the club change to Nike. Uh, he had the rib thing and I think 17. And so like, there have been lean years for all of these guys at the top. And Rory, who's probably playing better than anybody, is a good reminder of that. So I think for speed, if you're speed, you're looking at that or, or somebody like that, whoever it is, and saying, okay, like, this is a thing that happens to guys over the course of their career. And I think he's probably telling himself that, but that's, that's your hope right now. That's what you're holding on to, to get back to being a top five or 10 player in the world. Yeah, and, and, and just, you, you know, the one thing about the modern day game, and this is where I have respect for Espeeth and all these sorts of guys, because they all get together with st- stats people and they really mine information, if you will, and they dig into the stuff. And so they're like, we'll gain a half a stroke here and do this and do that and practice this. You know, as I look through the scores he shot here in this wraparound season, um, he sh- in the last event, he shot 73 and 74. That's two. Genesis, he shot a 76, that's three. Fix, he shot a 74. And then, uh, Tory Pine, 74 and 73. That's, that's already here in this year, seven rounds of like 73 and above. And you, on the PGA Tour, you spotting guy's strokes if your bad day is 73 or 74 and above, especially 76. So now I've just got to find a way to iron those or just get those big numbers out of the round, turn the 73 into a 71, turn the 74 into a 72. Suddenly you're turning that tie for 55th like he had at the Farmers into a tie for 30th. And then when you're in the 30th, then all of a sudden you're on the 
costs. But then you just rattle in one or two timely putts, and all of a sudden you're in the top 20. And then you get those juices flowing some. So I know it sounds simplistic, and, and all, all of the data woman. But that is the, the playing of the game, in my opinion. And if he could just eliminate those big scores, I think things start to turn the other way. Yeah, hopefully so, because when he's competitive, when he's playing well, it's uh, it's good for golf. Okay, we're going to talk uh, after the break about Josh Teeter quickly, and then we're going to talk briefly, very briefly, about the Honda Classic Florida Swing upcoming. But first, let's hear from our sponsors. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, Mark, our last trivia question. I held this, I held on to this one for the end. Okay, are you ready for this? Uh, far away. Who, Who's made more money over the course of their – well, who's made more money? Josh Teeter in his entire PGA Tour career. So Josh Teeter mm-hmm. finished second at the Puerto Rico Open on Sunday. Uh, so has he made more money throughout his the entirety of his PGA Tour career or Justin Thomas in the 2019-20 PGA Tour season? Okay. I want to know how, way, how and where you find this stuff. Okay. Um, I would probably say Justin Thomas. It's actually Teeter, but it's it's close. So Justin Thomas has made because Josh Teeter. Justin Thomas has made four point two million this year, and Teeter has made five point six, five point seven, uh, for the for the entirety of his PGA Tour career, um, which is which is which is crazy. I mean, you know, he's bounced around. That's that's PGA Tour money only. So he's he's made some on the Corn Ferry. He's been on other tours. But man, I, I was, and I'm using this as, as kind of a jumping off point to talk about. He had this interview after the Puerto Rico Open, after he got beat by Hovland. So he beats the rest of the field by four strokes and Hovland clips him by one. And he gets interviewed afterwards and he just, he's, he was overcome. Like he was so emotional about getting beat and the week and how well he played. And it was totally understandable. I, I thought it was totally relatable. He's, he's, been out there for 20 years he's never won on the pga tour uh he's only won once on any tour and it was back in 2009 and i was just 
I tweeted about this. I tweeted a clip of it and people should check it out. It, it, it to me, it represented, and you've been around this more than I have, but it represented what professional golf is actually like, you know, playing yeah. these WGCs and making 15 mil for winning the tour. Like that is so rare. That is like the 1% of the 1%. And professional golf is Josh Teeter. It is being ranked 300 in the world for 15 straight years or 500 in the world for 15 straight years. Mm. And I'm just, I'm curious about what your reaction was to kind of everything that played out at Puerto Rico. Well, um, the, the romantic in me, uh, you know, I, I'm a fan of Victor Hovland, just, just how, just the levity that he plays the game with and how he's got the self-effacing sort of a manner about him. And, and I'm a big fan. But, but, but deep down, not that I'm supposed to, I was pulling for Josh because to your point, yeah. he, he is, he is kind of emblematic of what 97% of the professional game is. Um, I'll never forget when we moved, moved over here and I was teaching full time and I share the story because this is sort of people in the Josh Teeter ilk, guys who were playing on the then Tar Heel tour or the Hooters tour and those sorts of mini tours like Josh did. They played alongside the guy. And a few of these professionals who I used to teach, they'd come stay with us when they came to Columbus because they don't have the money to go and stay in hotels and, and, and such like that. So they, they're in their car. They're logging up all sorts of miles. Um, one guy, um, Bryce Easton, South African golfer, he was driving Tim Clark's old beaten-up car from college. And so this is what folks are doing at that stage of the game just to try and get their big break. But anyway, so in our living room, we were brand new in the country too and didn't have very much. And we had a like a futon sort of couch thing in our lounge. And I can't tell you how many dinners Tracy, my wife, cooked, pasta and stuff like this, where we'd have some aspirin professional playing the mini tours, just mm. sort of just, just unpacking everything. And the next thing there'd be tears welling up in the eyes. And Tracy eventually called this futon our crying couch because <laughs> that is what Golf at the highest level is uh, the, the guys we're watching on TV, the guys you and I are commenting on a, on a podcast. The, yeah, you call it one percent of one percent. To me, I, I've seen a whole lot more of the other than that sort of stuff. And and so it, it's great to see when a guy like him or a guy like Lanto Griffin, for argument's sakes, who nearly gave yeah. up the game. Uh, it, it's just so cool to see those stories because I've been there at the start of these guys, some of these guys' journeys. You, you live their dreams with them. You, you, you know they've got the game, but you need breaks too, and, and you need to be able to play in events. And shucks, I mean, if Teeter wins that thing, money aside, okay, he's guaranteed two years worth of golf in the PGA Tour, and that is a big deal. So uh, it, it was an emotional thing. I'm glad you tweeted the interview, um, and I was I was sort of pulling for him. Yeah, I was too. Uh, and I was, you know, it was, it was hard because I, I like Hovland as well. Um, but it was interesting to see the reaction even from, I mean, JT even said on, on Twitter to, to the video it was like, Hey, Josh Cheater is like the best dude. And you hear that yeah. from, from a lot of guys. And so that would have been cool to see him win. Um, okay. Speaking of winning, we got Honda Classic again. Rick and Greg will be back on Tuesday with a DFS preview. Uh, just kind of talking about, uh, diving into, to, diving in more deeply to the field than we're going to get into it. But we got Brooks, we got Ricky, we got Justin Rose, we got Tommy Fleetwood, we got Victor Hovland in the field this week. Um, Mark, one, one storyline for me, and this is the only one we'll talk about, is 
I read an article today, and I had missed this during during Genesis, but Brooks had essentially said at Riviera, like, my knee's worse than I kind of let on, and it's probably never going to be 100% again. And that is uh, – I don't know if it's problematic but it's certainly interesting and I, and I don't I don't really know what to do with that because I think he's still going to be I I think we're sort of underrating how much that injury it has affected him and could affect him in the future. Are you worried about that at all? I am a bit uh, for a couple reasons. Um first off joint injuries are a big deal for any athlete, but especially a golfer. Um secondly, um well, there's a few reasons. Secondly, you have a joint injury then like the football player, that guy is never really the same because you don't really know if you can plant that thing and cut on the leg for argument's sex, right? So, so you're always playing with, playing with an element of hold back. What if I do it again? Um, let's not overstress this sort of situation. And then with Brooks's technique, uh, here's the teacher in me coming out. He's a big, strong guy. I mean, he's beefed up in a big way. So there's a lot of talk he places on his body and on the golf club. And with the way that he carries that strong closed club face at the top of the swing, if the body doesn't work and doesn't pivot aggressively, that club face will manifest too close. And if that happens, he's going to hit left balls, which doesn't work with him. When he plays his best, he hits that left to right pattern. And so as a result, that forward leg of his, it's going to, it's going to take a whole lot of load there with a whole number of shots. Um, to make sure he doesn't start missing left. And when you start having a two-sided miss, then the game becomes very hard. And then finally, uh, and, and this is sort of the Tiger Woods thing we have to bear in mind, when you're playing with a tender back or a doubtful knee, or a, I've seen too many wrist injuries in my day. I mean, one too close to home with my brother. If you're in a situation like that, you just can't practice as much as what you normally would either. And, and nowadays it's like you can't spot these guys any practice time. So, so it is concerning to me for those reasons. Uh, okay. We'll end like this. Let's go. Yeah. What's your, what's your, no, no more trivia question. Uh, what is your early one and done lean for the Honda? And then one prediction for the Florida swing. Uh, I think your prediction on Sunday night was that Rory's going to win every tournament. Uh, I don't know uh. if you're, I don't know if you're holding on to that, but uh, early one and done lean and then one prediction for the Florida swing. Oh, early, I'm leaning right now, although he wasn't very convincing early um, at Mexico. My early lean for Honda is um, Tommy Fleetwood, but I'm more than likely going to go to Gary Woodland. Um, just, but, but we'll just let that settle for a while. And then for Bay Hill – um, I know, every, I know everyone's going to go Tiger. And now that I'm sitting in the bottom of the thing, I'm probably going to go Bryson. He plays well around there and he's, and he's been playing well, obviously. Played very well at Riviera, obviously was a part of the storyline last week. Uh, the players, I'm not so sure just yet. Um, and then obviously Valspar, I think, uh, Paul Casey's going to be my guy. So, so, so that's where we are, when and done was. The Paul Casey invitational. I can't believe the players is in three weeks. That's crazy to me. Um, yeah, it's a bit nuts, isn't it? I mean, look, it's cool. I, I love this time of the year, and, and we've done this before. I, I want to give a nod to the West Coast Swing because those courses are so great, and it's such a cool part of the schedule. But but really, golf in Florida, you know the Masters around the corner, the Players' Championship, mm-hmm. and we, we'll be you know talking about the uh, U.S. Open pretty soon. It's, it's pretty exciting. 
Yeah, it is. Okay, I, my early lean is uh, Daniel Berger for Honda. Good uh, he's played great there, finished T5 at Pebble, T9 at Phoenix. Uh, he's had kind of quietly a really good uh, er- early start to 2020. And then my one prediction for the Florida Swing, it's not really the Florida Swing, but I'm going to say Rory wins twice leading into the PGA Championship. Yeah, yeah, I, I was supposed to make a prediction. I mean, look, that that makes a whole lot of sense the way he's playing. He loves the golf courses. He's won at Bay Hill. He's won at the Players. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I'm, I, I, he's played well at the match play down there in Austin. So, I mean, it could be open season, man. Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I, I think people are kind of underrating his. And I said this on Sunday. His floor is above most people's ceilings right now. I mean, it's it's fifth or better every time out. And at some point, you just you, you just fall into one of those wins or two of those wins or whatever. So uh, it should be fun. It was fun today, Mark. Uh, as always, enjoyed it. Rick and Greg will be back on Tuesday with the DFS preview of the Honda Classic. And then uh, you and I will probably be back later in the week after uh, Daniel Berger wins the Honda Classic. So... Uh, should be a fun week, and we'll talk soon. Hello, everyone. It's Mike Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.